Good morning, everyone. Um, so today we're going to do it a little bit differently um, because I think it's actually really helpful to hear what lots of people have got to say. So it's going to be a little bit more interactive today. And I've got some chairs here because I've got a panel of people that are going to come up and share a little bit of their story. And we're going to open it up for you to ask questions. So start thinking about what you might want to ask or comment on. Um, now, interestingly, in family life, things will um, always come up that become quite big topics. And um, it feels like I've gone quiet. Am I OK? OK. So um, what happens when those big topics come up is you get a huge variation in viewpoint and opinions. Um, then when you add uh, the Christian world into it, we find that we have um, even more varied opinions that can cause quite a polarised reaction. And um, so if I were to say something like Harry Potter, um, 10 years ago, that would have had quite a polarised reaction as to how Christians feel about it. Nowadays, it might be something like Fortnite. That might cause some kind of stir in the room. Uh, but we're not talking on that today. Um, and social media is one of those subjects that can cause quite a polarised reaction in family life, but it can also um, cause quite a fear to rise up. Because what often happens is we hear stories, we hear um, different horror stories, and we can make a lot of assumptions based on what we don't know rather than what we do know. So clearly, in an hour's seminar here, we are not going to be able to establish what we do know. But what I really want today to be about is for us to start to open up the conversation, but to be able to have conversations where we aren't reacting and we're not just making assumptions, but actually we can create an environment where we can have really good, healthy discussions, have debates, and start to land on what our opinion is for our family. And, and that will often be different for someone else's family. But before we get our panel up and we start to hear some of their stories, I just want to touch on a few things that I think are quite significant for this subject. Now, I um, do have the privilege of working across um, the Christian world of family life and also um, in the public sector and in the private sector um, working on different projects. Um, one of the things that I find really helpful is just to research and find out what's going on because there's some really, really good studies that are going on that are linking particularly social media use and well-being and mental health. And that's um, a subject that's quite close to my heart, so it's something that I like to look um, at and read the latest things. So I have done something very old-fashioned and very unfriendly to the environment, and I've printed out, but I've only printed out one copy because I think it would be terrible to print so many out. But I, basically, this document has been put together by the Royal Society for Public Health, and I would say it's an excellent document. So I've printed one out so that if you're interested at the end, you can come and find out what it is. You can flick through it if you want. But there's some really great research, and um, some of what I'm just going to talk about actually relates to some of that research. Now, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media, if I'm honest. One of the things that um, I do in my work life is um, actually do social media campaigns. So I love the power of the uh, internet. I love the power of social media. And I love how it can reach people. I love how it can inform people. I love how it can connect people. But equally, I've seen the downside, and I've seen the destruction that it can have as well. So I kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. And um, I'm also quite innovative, so I really do like to see innovation. Um, but one of the things that is quite interesting is about six months ago, I had a bit of a tantrum at Facebook because of some of the things that they were um, kind of implementing. So I just was like, right, that's it. I'm coming off of Facebook. Now, Facebook's a bit like a cult. You can actually never really leave. But I just kind of deleted it from my phone. And uh, what's really funny is that it will still pop up on other people's things as if you've just liked something or you know, you're following something. And it's like, I haven't been on it for six months. How can I possibly be doing that? But I, uh, I, in a, a state of kind of defiance, I decided to delete it from my phone um, like I was going to make such a difference, you know. But um, I just felt like I didn't really want to be on it anymore. And um, 
And then, about a month ago, or two months ago, it's like, work-wise, I really needed to be on it. So I found something called Facebook Lite that you can get on your phone. And uh, so that's what I have, which means that I tend to kind of use it for my work life. I still kept Messenger because I love communicating with people, um, particularly if they don't live in the same country. So I am not going to stand here today telling you that, yes, you should do this, or no, you shouldn't do this. What I want us to do is think about it and think about what's right for your family. And so within that, can I just ask that we're really respectful today? Because there will be different opinions and there will be different experiences. But let's try and be really respectful um, of people's choices and let's just embrace talking about it. So within that document, they have highlighted some of the pros and cons of social media, particularly amongst young people. Now, um, in the generation of 16 to 24-year-olds, where social media is prevalent in their life, and most of them have grown up with that, they actually call it the native digitals. So um, that generation where uh, it's so prevalent, um, there is some very strong links between healthy well-being and not so healthy well-being. And so it's really hard to just separate and just kind of dismiss it because there's some really good things coming up and some really bad. So, on the negative side, they have listed five things that are quite significant. And the first one, not surprisingly, is the increase of anxiety and depression. Um, and so they have documented the rise in anxiety and depression amongst young people. Um, and obviously that's a very real problem as we think about mental health and um, the statistics of one in four people um, every year will suffer from some form of mental health illness, and that is only the reported numbers. That's only the people that have so, um, sought help. So the actual real stats are probably a lot greater than that. The second thing is sleep, the impact, that, the negative impact that, that social media can have on sleep. Um, and there, again, there's lots of reasons for that, and uh, stimulation in the brain and, and all of that type of thing, and addiction. Um, the third negative impact is body image, and that is really high, particularly amongst young girls. Um, so body image can be very, very negatively affected by the use of social media, partly because, um, obviously, we get to see other people's bests and we compare to that. Um, sometimes it's because those photos have been doctored or we only upload the ones that make us look amazing. Um, so body image is very real. And the fourth one, which is really so sad, is the cyberbullying that goes on. Um, and just sort of the knock-on effects that can happen from cyberbullying. Um, the fifth one um, I find really interesting because I think this affects some of um, us more senior people just as much, and it's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. So it's, it's this sense that other people are doing things, other people are at things, and this addiction to be on social media because we're just scared that we're missing out. And I don't think that's a young person's disease necessarily. I think that actually affects quite a lot of us. So those are some of the cons. Um, and sometimes some of the other additional cons are just understanding boundaries, understanding um, or misunderstanding what has been said on social media and the sort of misinterpretation and also crossing boundaries. So boundaries that wouldn't be crossed in real life scenarios often get crossed in social media scenarios, particularly among young people where their risk factor is a little bit higher. They maybe aren't thinking about the consequences of their initial reactions. But there are some really good things about social media as well. So in this um, document, they highlighted that the, the, one of the best things about it is that it gives access to real-life stories and real-life experiences, and especially around health information. And so many young people find that they feel understood because they can go on social media and they can feel like somebody understands or someone's telling their story and they're not alone. So it actually can have a really positive effect. The second thing is the emotional support and community building. So a real sense that on social media, they can feel, regardless of the hour of the day, they can feel that there's someone to connect to, that they're having emotional support by, um, and they are building a sense of community that they belong to. 
The third thing that came out as a real positive is the um, self-expression and self-identity. Um, so people felt much freer to be able to identify with themselves who they are and then be able to express who they are through social media. And the fourth thing was uh, making building and maintaining relationships. And I think particularly as we move more and more geographically, that's definitely a real positive of social media is that you can make friendships, build friendships, and stay connected to people. So that's just a quick overview of what the research says are the pros and the cons. Everyone will have a different story, and hopefully you've brought some of your stories to share today. Um, one of the things I would say is, what is really good is for us in our own families to establish um, an open conversation with our children so that we can actually work out what is best for our family. So when our children were a bit younger and they were getting to the stage where they were going to have phones and smartphones and have access to um, social media, we actually just sat down as a family and we created our own ground rules. We didn't really know, and it, and it wasn't as developed back then as it is now. We didn't really know what um, was everything going on out there. So we just sat down and created our own boundaries and our own rules. And one of the things that we said is that we will get, you, you have this phone, and, you, and but any social media you want to go on, you need to ask our permission and then, and before you download it. And we get 100% access to your phone at any time. We can just look at your phone and see what's going on. And then we just counseled them through how easy it is to get caught up in something, how easy it is to get caught up in a discussion. And we just chatted about the reality of what you would do in real life and what you would do online, and some, some of the thoughts around once you say something, it's kind of there, and so how, how difficult it is to backtrack. Now, when my children were very little, we had this amazing book uh, called Jesus Must Be Really Special. And one of the things that they had in there was they, they, did a th they, they talked about, it was by Focus... focus on the family, focus for the family. Um, they talked about our words and the power of our words. And I stole their idea from this book, and I've used it with loads of children that I've worked with over the years. And they had this thing, which was a toothpaste story. And basically, um, you, you get, a, well, I get a plate or something, and you get a tube of toothpaste, and you get the kid to squirt some out, and... Uh, and they love doing that, and you can, they can make a face, they can make a picture, whatever they want, onto a paper plate. And then you ask them to try and put the toothpaste back into the tube, and uh, obviously it's quite difficult to do that. And even if you succeed in getting some back, it's usually caused a bit of a smear and a mess, and you can still smell the toothpaste. So we use that to kind of talk to them about how our words can you know, affect people and stuff like that. So basically, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we were using books and toothpaste and paper plates. But when we came to sort of 10 years ago, when we're starting to think, uh, or eight years ago, when we're starting to think about social media and phones, we kind of just referred back to that and saying, actually, this is still a toothpaste scenario where there's things that you could put out there on social media that then can cause problems, can cause stains, or you can be misinterpreted. So you just need to be really wary. So we just kept our home a place where it was very safe to have conversations. Um, we don't know all the answers, so actually including them and then helping us to understand what the different platforms are and which ones are good and which ones are probably better to avoid and some of the danger things. So it's really great to speak to your children and open up a conversation and allow them to be a part of determining what the rules are for your family. And I think, actually, it's also really helpful for us to look at our own use and reflect on our own journey with social media. And um, I have a friend called Mark who um, can't be here today, but... He um, basically, uh, sh he's written some blogs on social media, and um, he wrote some blogs around uh, the use, the prevalent use of social media. And he, in his work, he works with young people, and he uses social media a lot. But last year, he just had a bit of um, a, a crisis, almost, where he found that he was really dominated by his own personal use of social media. And I'm just going to tell you what he said at the, at the end of one of his blogs. He said, at the tail end of last year, I took the decision to step away from Facebook and Twitter. 
I was spending large portions of valuable time on Facebook when I intended to do something else. I was a stereotypical device addict, only half present in conversation at best, and unable to concentrate and unable to ignore a new notification from my device. This impacted my family life significantly. I was in a constant state of outrage because of infuriating articles or comments. I was falling victim to comparison when looking at the lives of others, however stage-managed their posts may have been. And yes, I was becoming frustrated and paranoid because only a small percentage of my friends ever interacted with likes or comments. And then he talks about a psychologist whose name I cannot pronounce, and he basically decided that he needed to come off of it for a season. And his uh, child, who's about four, about two weeks later said, Daddy, you just look so happy. What's happened? And it's a really powerful story that he would have shared way better if he was here. But um, he said I could share it. So I'm just um, think in, in terms of us actually thinking about our own use and the impact that our own use has on our families. And um, also, you know, I don't know about you, but my kids are really great at um, reminding me of the things we've taught them. And so I think sometimes, you know, it, it's really easy to be setting things in place for our children, but actually not living them ourselves. And so we, we have like a no phones at the table rule. Um, so if we're eating together, you know, we don't, we don't have phones there. And who are the worst offenders? Do you know what? Sometimes it's my husband and I who are the worst offenders because it's a really important work email or something like that. So um, I think it's good to be honest and, um, and set those boundaries as a family for yourselves. Now, during, um, with, the, with all this research, with this 16 to 24-year-old group particularly that they've looked at, um, what's really interesting is the link with um, the use of social media and um, brain development in those fundamental years. So in the teenage years, so much is happening in the uh, development of the teenage brain. And one of the things that happens is the, the, the risk part of the brain and the logic part of the brain develop at different times. And sadly, the risk part develops way quicker than the uh, logic side, which is why you get you know, risk-taking, particularly in boys, you get risk-taking driving and that type of thing because their brain is developing at a different stage and it doesn't always link up. Now, one of the things that we need to be mindful of with our teenagers is what's going on in the development of their brain at this very fundamental time and their use of social media because it can affect them very, very negatively or very, very positively. And so it's really good for us to be aware of these things. So... What we also need to consider when we're making our decisions is to get the information, be informed, listen to people's stories, look at the pros and the cons, and include our children in the conversation. Because the knock-on effect in their well-being is so significant. They've actually said that that generation of digital natives have a higher percentage of addiction to social media than they do to any substances. So we have seen a real shift. There is a higher addiction issue with addiction to social media than there is with substances amongst that generation. So it's good for them to be able to, as they grow up, learn how to self-regulate and learn how to be open and honest about what they're doing. And one of the things that can be good or bad about social media is the instant gratification. So you can post something and you can immediately feel like you've been valued or heard. Um, and sometimes that's a really helpful thing because if, if somebody is slipping into an anxiety or a depression, by posting something and then having some affirmation, that can be really helpful. But equally, there can be real pitfalls because you can become addicted to needing people to like or comment on things. Um, or with the risk factor, you may be posting things that um, aren't such a healthy or wise decision. Now, I've had the privilege of working um, on some projects with the um, leader of Childline. And uh, so not when she was the leader of Childline, but on some previous projects. And she's now the leader of Childline, and she is a phenomenal woman. And I'm really excited to see, actually, what they're going to develop under her leadership. But Childline um, stats actually say that there's been a 14% rise 
in the number of children contacting Childline regarding loneliness. And they've only just started to collect data on loneliness for the, loneliness for the last two years. But 80% of those were girls, and some of them referenced social media as the biggest contributor to them feeling increasingly isolated. Um, so they're watching friends having a good time on social media or they're not being involved. It's that whole fear of missing out. There's things that are being tagged publicly or shared or there's in-jokes or comments that can just add to this isolation. And then image is a huge part of what's happening and why they're feeling like they're not significant enough. Um, and, th and sometimes they can feel a real lack of connections because it can just be a sense that it's so, it's so false. Um, but equally, I've seen social media can really help to reach those people in those difficult times. So I think we just need to be careful that we're not just reacting, we're not making assumptions, but actually we're getting the ideas, we're talking to our family, and we're looking at what is the best well-being and the best decision for our family regardless of what other people are choosing. So I am going to ask my lovely panel to come up, and we're going to hear just a couple of stories from um, them, and they are going to share. So guys, come and take a seat. So we've got a lovely mixture today. Um, we have got, so at the end, we've got Martin. Um, Martin is a, an amazing communicator. He actually works for a communication firm, which is very well known and we won't mention. So he um, works in communication. He's part of our church, um, has an awesome family. And so Martin is on our panel. Then we have Earl. Earl is one of our elders. He's also works for a company. Am I allowed to say what you work for? It's financial services. And uh, Elle's very well connected, um, and he's a good friend of ours. And we've got Taylor, who you probably recognize. She is the awesome editor of Clarity Magazine. And if you haven't seen it yet, go and see the Clarity Cozy in the hub. Um, Taylor is part of my digital native generation. Um, also, Taylor is such an amazing example of how to use social media really well in, um, uh, in and amongst young people. And then we've got Chrissy, who is a mum to two. How old are they? Six and eight, just coming into that time of where do we go with all of this social media. She works for Pace, which is a charity working with young people and is all around awesome. Happens to be married to Dave, sitting next to her, who also um, works for Pace. Lots to do with young people. Coincidentally, also has two young children. And um, Dave has some, some stories of where social media has been really positive and really negative in the young people that he's been working with. And then we have... I have to say, this is the most awesome person on the panel, my daughter, Abby. Um, and uh, Abby has joined us today as a nice little representation of a young person. And also, she can just, you know, drop us in it if she wants to, or anything that we've done wrong. She can just let you all know. And um, so we are going to just hear a little bit from their stories. So let me kick off with, um, we need a mic. Yes, if you want, yeah. That's what we've got, Oh, OK. Oh. Let's use this one. So let me put Taylor, you can go first. Tell us just something about your use of social media. And yeah, okay, so I guess I grew up um, in a non-Christian family and kind of at the time where we had like the desktop and like the phone line where if someone's on the phone, you hear like screaming through the house and kind of like, get off the phone, I want to be on MSN, like chatting to my friends. Um, and the dial-up connection. And so I did kind of always experience, um, once I hit high school, kind of chatting to my friends. Um, at monitored times, kind of an hour here or there. But it was something that was always part of my dialogue, I guess, as you said, like native. What is it, native? Digital native. Digital native. That's did you not so know cool. you were a digital, digital native? native. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so fast-forwarding um, to university, um, I launched Clarity for young women. And for me, like, social media has been fundamental in launching that pretty much everything we've ever done has been online on social media raising the money to print it letting people know that it's going to happen our team communicate on facebook we work on facebook um and actually yeah without that it wouldn't 
it wouldn't have been able to happen and actually just being able to be part of that world and having grown up again in that kind of non-christian environment what i've found is a lot of the the friends or friends i've accumulated along the way um are just a pool of people that need to see something different or see the love of jesus and i'm connected with them um through school and through being um through communicating with them and so now they've seen that kind of 180 change in me and are just exposed to a lot of stuff that's that's going out there and have messaged me to discuss it and things like that yeah. so for me i guess it's a real place to be present and yeah. to be different and to be showing something it's so fantastic isn't it how yeah. we can use social media to just bring the gospel yeah. to sure. those that maybe wouldn't be connecting with us in any other ways yeah. and and there's some great things out there that you can share isn't there as well yeah sure. thank you so much taylor yeah. pass it whichever way i don't mind <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I'm not a digital native, but I am a printing <laughs> press native, if that's a thing. Um, so I'm, uh, it's funny, when Karen asked me to be on the panel, I kind of said, but Karen, I'm not really a big user of social media, so I'm, I'm not on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter account, which I've never tweeted anything and don't really look at. Um, but I, w I just want to hasten to say, it's not out of protest at all. I don't, I'm not, I don't see... Uh, uh, social media as a as a as an evil thing. I don't know if any of you were in Dave Devonish's seminar uh, yesterday morning. Just incredibly helpful uh, kind of image of actually the kingdom advance, but alongside kingdom advance, the enemy sows seeds as well. So um, so much. And let me be the first to quote a Spider-Man movie. With great power comes great responsibility. We've got this powerful tool of social media, but actually how we use it is is really really important. So. Um, I, think, I think social media is, is great. I mean, go back a few centuries, and I joke about the printing press. When the printing press were, was first invented, um, the, the power to, uh, to, to raise uh, uh, education to the masses and, and to translate the Bible, God's Word, into hundreds of, of languages and dialects, uh, it's such an incredible, powerful tool. But that same tool is the same tool that brought us uh, pornography, right? So, so how we use those tools, I think, is, is so, so important. I think there are huge benefits of, of social media, but I think how we handle social media, particularly, I've, I'm a, 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 a dad of three. I've got two kids now in secondary school. So I'm just going through the, okay, how, how are we going to respond to these sorts of things? Uh, how are we going to, uh, things that are said, when are we going to engage and when are we going to not engage and how are we going to engage? So these sorts of things are, are very uh, much uh, sort of topics that we're discussing in my household. Fantastic, thank you. Do you want to go to Martin? Can you reach? Yeah. Um, I love social media, um, partly because it's made the industry of telecommunications so, so very exciting. Partly because you've all got it. Um, in fact, can I just have a quick show of hands? Who has logged on to the West Point Wi-Fi? Yeah, that's about right. Who has not even, who, who didn't know there was a West Point Wi-Fi? <laughs> and, and, and maybe the bigger question is, who of you have got children who have logged on to the West Point Wi-Fi? Right? Because I, I'll be honest, I've been amazed walking around the site just how many kids have got their mobiles. And if you just go up and just look over their shoulder and see what they're doing with it, they're no longer playing games or apps on their mobiles. They're watching YouTube. Okay, so please be aware of that. In fact, little test for you. Go home or back to your tents and just check what your kids are looking at on their mobiles because I pretty much guarantee they're watching some sort of YouTube channel uh, and what they're watching, well, that's between you and them. Um, so it has made the industry, telecoms, really, really amazing um, because data and having that connectivity um, is, is at the heart of it. But I also want to say, therefore, I also hate it. Um, I, I do hate social media. I'm no longer on Facebook. Uh, I've got a story I might share a bit later on, on, on that. Um, I, I just see that it's false. I see that we use the word friends. And actually, you've not got friends at all. Uh, th these are just connections that you made. In fact, they're not even connections because you're in your room and they're in their room. So you haven't really connected at all. You might think you've connected. And, you know, I've got two young daughters um, 23 and 21 now and I've seen them grow up through that and I've just seen the complete uh, loneliness that it creates with them and just to finish with a little story we were on holiday last year with some really really good friends 
and we're staying in this lovely, lovely uh, house uh, with a swimming pool, and we were having a great time. We were there for two weeks, and halfway through that two-week period, broadband was installed in that house. In the first week, we played games, we talked, we chatted, we found all sorts of really exciting things to do because nobody could connect to anything. And in the second week, well, you can see your nods. You know exactly what happened. Nobody talked at all. You know, I'm saying, guys, anybody want to come and play in the pool? Nobody even answered the question. It destroys family in my heart. So I, I, feel, t- I feel a bit conflicted when Karen asked me to, to join it because on behalf of the industry, thank you very much. Please buy your data. Please, please buy your broadband. We, we do silly speeds. And by the way, if you want to talk about that, please come, not as an advert, but if you want to talk about some of the... Oh, one last thing, Karen, sorry. We put a lot of effort into preventative measures for you to help you, tools to help you guard your children. Can I just say the biggest tool to guard your children is yourself because they are watching what you're doing and they will mimic what you're doing and all the tools in the world will not stop a seven-year-old from working their way through those controls. Okay, so please be careful. Thank you, Martin. Should we go to Chrissy? Hi. Um, I feel very inexperienced and underqualified to be on this panel. Um, my girls obviously are very little, so... They're not really on social media themselves right now. Um, It tends to be me that uses it more than they do. Uh, I use it a lot to interact with other parents. Um, As an adoptive parent, as a Christian adoptive parent, there's not a lot of other Christian adoptive parents in my circle of friends. Um, We're quite small in number. So for me, I have quite a large network of Christian adoptive parents that I can communicate with online which I find really helpful because they're the people that I can go to and just go ah and they get it Um, and I can't underestimate the importance of that for me Um, I really value them Um, and they get when you go this social worker did this (laughs) and and they just nod yes (laughs) digitally they nod yes we know Um, (laughs) um, but likewise um, through that network I've also seen Um, other families who have had um, really horrible, tragic things happen to them through social media. Um, One family I can think of who um, had to move to a different county uh, because their adopted child's photo ended up on somebody else's profile. Their birth parents found them, um, came to visit the house, um, managed to track them down, came to visit the house and harassed them for months and months and months until they were actually able to move. So social media kind of has its m- positives and negatives. It can join us all together, but it can also be quite damaging. Mm. Um, and then you've also got the world of WhatsApp, um, which, again, can be a fantastic way of very instantly communicating with people. Um, and for us as parents, we find it really helpful. Don't forget, it's Swimming's Day. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, all those messages go round at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, but they can also turn very negative. It, they, they can go, oh, it's teacher, goodness me, what are they doing? And that's also happened on our WhatsApp group. And being a Christian within that WhatsApp group has meant um, trying to help keep it positive, um, trying to make sure that if people have got problems with other people, then they're actually talking to those people in real life um, to deal with it and not just um, interacting on social media all the time. Thank you. That's so helpful, Chrissy. So I guess I'm talking with a youth worker hat on really more than anything else. So over the years, I think pastorally is the biggie for me, being able to connect with young people online and notice stuff that I might notice in the physical world, but in the digital world, people are sharing a lot more openly and they often will forget that I'm on Facebook as well and that kind of thing. Um, Or they'll know that I am but they'll more happily and readily share online more than they would sat across the table from me. So, um, and that's good and bad, isn't it? It's the best and worst of people in the real world on screens instead. It's the same human beings, isn't it? Best and worst, and it's a mixed bag. On the downside, you have to watch couples having their arguments in front of everyone, don't you, online? Like, stand in the middle of this room, shouting their heads off at each other, and it's like, oh, come on, guys. You've forgotten that we're all watching. Or maybe they know and they want the attention, so I ignore them. Um, so <laughs> and then the, 
on the plus side, I think there's been loads of loads of stories I can think of very quickly of pastoral successes, I suppose, where I've been alerted to a need because someone said something in an uncharacteristic way or in a deliberate way to get some attention and they need some attention about something else more important. And it's just, it's been a cry for help. And so I've tried to help and it's been helpful. Um, I mean, we, a couple of stories. One, we set up a group on Facebook for uh, people who started out life at our church and are now adults uh, called Began at Belmont. Uh, that was Belmont's the name of our church, our old church in Exeter, and um, where people could share stories about where they are now. And we were hoping that there would be loads of stories of people trusting and following Jesus now, serving and sharing Jesus now in various places around the world. And there were brilliant success stories that made me look good as a youth worker. That was good. <laughs> a lot of that fruit's invisible, isn't it, and unheard. So it was a place we could go and be encouraged and pray for each other. But also there were people who weren't following Jesus now and they just wanted to get back in touch and say why and they were grateful for the friendships and the love but not the God stuff so much uh -huh. and, um, so again helpful because they were being honest um, n another story just very quickly of someone who I it was a young person I knew from doing assemblies in a school didn't know them that well they weren't in my youth group or anything but was I remember him just being very desperate on Facebook. Oh, here's my mobile number, anyone ring me, and that kind of stuff. And me seeing that, thinking, oh, no. Um, but not really having any relationship with him. I commented once or twice, something helpful to encourage him, that kind of thing. And he got a lot of bullying online, I could see that as well. Um, and he actually, over the years, got into lots of trouble, horrible stuff on his hard drive, illegal stuff on his hard drive, ended up in prison, and I was the guy that he reached out to other than family uh, to say, hey, could you come and visit me? And wow. I was able to go visit him. He's, I thought I wouldn't really, I did visit him and I didn't think I'd see him after we moved to Bournemouth. He's just got in touch with me again to say, he's out soon, can we meet up and catch up? Wow. He needs support, he needs help. So that's a real privilege for me to be able to connect with someone with massive needs just because he put it all out there on Facebook and, and it's negative and you look at it and your heart sinks, but actually, it's a pastoral opportunity and someone opening up. That's so amazing. Should we take you around the back? Yeah, great. And Abby. Hello. Um, well, I don't really have a story, but I guess because I'm 16, I've kind of grown up with, in all my teen years, I got Instagram and Facebook when I was 13 years old. And so I've been on it for like three years then. And I guess you get to see all the all the different parts of Instagram and well, I don't really go on Facebook much, but I do go on Instagram. And there's a lot of different aspects. I haven't posted anything in like a year and a half. So I'm not actually, like, I'm not very, I'm not on it very much, but I will just look at my feed and see different things happening. And there's loads of different aspects. I really like to just look at stuff about movies and books and all that stuff because there's so much stuff and it's really fun and everyone who has like a passion about just a book series or a movie series that I do as well and I get to see kind of all these people's opinions and how they feel about it as well and that's like because I can't talk about all the books because some people haven't read books that I've read and so I get to see this but um then I get to I see all the stuff people put about their body image and that kind of stuff and it usually just makes me like annoyed because <laughs> there's this trend at the moment where people show a picture of themselves in like a like where they look beautiful and then they'll show a picture next to it which is supposedly not beautiful with stretch marks and things like that and they'll be like this is me but this is also me and I just don't really understand it because I don't understand why there has to be one beautiful and one not beautiful when you could just show yourself as yourself. But there's just this trend where it's like people are trying to be honest about what they actually look like. And it's, I think it's supposed to be empowering and letting people know that everyone's beautiful, but it just, from my perspective, it just looks kind of, it just still looks fake. As much as people try and be honest about their 
body image is just it's got so far so fake and there's always different like perfect images and different years it's always changes but it's just I think that there's no way that it can become real anymore because it's it just becomes so fake over the years that even if people put their honest selves out there there's always something fake or something mean people have to say and I just I just hate seeing all that kind of stuff so I try not to look at that kind of thing just try and stick to nerdy stuff like books <laughs> <laughs> that's great can we give these guys a round of applause So, um, interestingly, we, we actually have um, some family groups. We've got family Instagram and we've got family WhatsApp. Um, and then they have sister versions as well. And so sometimes they're, they're really, we're really into memes and we're really into movies. So we have like <laughs> these silly things that, but sometimes we're working and we're like, guys, can you use your sister's group, please? Because it's just like ping, 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 ping with these meme after meme after meme. It's like, get on your sister group, leave us out of it. Anyway, what we'd like to do now is just open the floor up. We've not got a huge amount of time left, but my wonderful assistant, Andy, uh, complete with Mike, if there's something that you feel like you'd really like to ask the panel generically or ask a particular person on the panel, um, be nice to them because they're not that, um, you know, they, they don't know what you might ask. Um, or if there's something you really want to say. So we've definitely got some guy at the back there. Okay, um, sorry, I saw this gentleman put his hand up first. Okay, so go for it. Just, can I just say, we need to be fairly short and punchy with this, so please. <laughs> Let's have um, uh, speeches. Thank you. Very quick question um, to Dave. Um, your children are six and eight. Um, when would you consider giving them a mobile? Have we decided this? <laughs> Don't think we've this decided is life this. This it really happens. No, no pressure. But you could just like decide now if. So give a gut reaction, and then you say something. Um, my, my part of the conversation would be um, we'll hold out as long as possible. Yeah. That's my instinct. Um, but I would imagine at year seven, they're probably going to need one at secondary um, just to be plugged in socially. That's just a normal part of being plugged in socially these days. So I would imagine something around then if we can wait as long as that. But they love the Lego app now. That's <laughs> social media, isn't it? And, and YouTube Kids as well is, is quite a lot used in our house. Um, I think, yeah, I think the conversation I've had has been along the lines of um, when you go places by yourself. Um, because up until that point, they don't really need to be able to communicate with anybody else. I'm the most important person that they need to be able to communicate with. I'm with them all the time. So they don't, <laughs> they don't need a phone to talk to me. Most of the time, they can shout loud enough and I can hear them anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Fantastic, thank you. Should we go for the one at the back? Okay, next question. Um, my question is similar to the question that the gentleman just had, but um, I've got four young children and I'd like to understand whether, uh, at, at least Catherine, we, whether you think it's prudent, sorry, Karen, to, to that, that teenagers or teenagers under the age of 15 should have mobile phones given the pros and cons and the experience that you may have had? That's a great question. Um, I have to say, it, in all reality, to be honest, my opinion doesn't matter because it has to be a, an opinion for your own family. Um, I think that um, some, of the, some of the things that you'd be asking yourself is, so we've, we've made some decisions as a family that, that probably 95% of people wouldn't agree with in, uh, in our parenting. Um, and I think, this, for me, it's more about being able to go to God, ask his wisdom, talk as a family, and make the right decisions, and be confident in those decisions, but also to be teachable, so that you think, well, we, we don't need to stand by that decision if it actually isn't working out. We don't need to, that decision to be our defining factor. But I would always encourage discussion and involvement in that. Um, now, when our kids were getting to that age, it wasn't as prevalent as, as, it, as it's got in the last few years. So we made the decision that it would be a senior school thing, just for the practicalities. And we actually made the decision to follow the um, guidelines that each social media platform had, and we decided that we would go by their age group. And that's interesting in what that stirs up, because 
most people in society don't don't go by those boundaries. So, you know, we, we had people we knew that were six or seven with Facebook accounts when the actual age is 13, and some of the other platforms are way higher. So we kind of made that decision for us. But I think it's just... It's good to get information. I love information. I think let's let's make sensible decisions based on information, not on fear, and let's not be influenced by just the negative stories because there's so many positive stories. And for me, it's all about equipping our children to make decisions and own their decisions rather than trying to protect them from what's going on out there. I would much rather put some foundationally put things into my children that they can stand on and they can live on because it, it's the same with things like sleepovers or watching movies and stuff. They've got to own their decisions when you're not there as much as when you are there. Well, I, I mean... Again, it's like allowing them to make mistakes. But if you keep an, if you if you have an environment where it's okay to do that and conversations can constantly happen, it's inevitable there'll be made there'll be mistakes made. But it's how you guide them through. That's where you go, that's why you have to trust God. <laughs> it's like they're they're His kids, and I I, I would not want to do parenting without Him. It would be a disaster. So okay, so I think next we need to move on to next question. Um, so I saw that lady down here. Um, just a question to Abby. Um, I was just uh, thinking if um, you didn't have Facebook until you were 13 or WhatsApp until you were 13 or whatever you decided, um, how did you manage that when your friends did? And then how do you find making those decisions about not really being on Facebook or Instagram? So sort of pressure from friends and the decisions that you made as a family, those balancing things, how did you manage? Um, well, I remember at primary school, a lot of my friends did have Facebook, and they like would say like encourage me to go into Facebook. But um, I didn't really have anyone that I needed to talk to outside. I had my friends at church, and I had my friends at school. And if there was anyone I else I could talk to, I had like Skype or my parents' phones and that kind of stuff. So. Luckily, I wasn't hugely pressured into it. So when I was 13, I asked to get Instagram. I think I got it on my 13th birthday. And my older sister had Cheap had it. Cheap present. <laughs> 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 my older sister had had it, so I had, I had seen stuff and I knew how to use it. I wasn't so bothered about Facebook, so I got that like six months later because I just decided to. But um, I mean, I'm now old enough to get Twitter as well, and I still haven't got that because it seems still like, because you have to be 16 and it still seems like I'm too young, it feels, even though I am old enough to get it. But um, what was the second part of your question? So WhatsApp's 13. Did you communicate yeah. differently with your friends? Uh, did you have... Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, do you just we didn't bother with all of that? I could just interject, because we actually decided to get, um, instead of pay-as-you-go phones, we did we did contracts, so they could always free text, free yeah. call. That's what, that's what we did, so they could always yeah. communicate, yeah. So I got I got a phone, I convinced my parents to give me a phone when I was 11. I, I found a way to do that. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, so... So I did have the ability to text my friends and call them. And but generally, I had friends that were really close that I saw a lot. And then, I, I mean, now I have a friend who lives, who I went to primary school with, who lives about an hour away. And we contact over WhatsApp. But we don't talk. We like have months where we won't talk. And then we'll just suddenly text each other. And we'll just talk like we, nothing's happened. But um, and I think it's really useful for that. I really, I really like WhatsApp, and I enjoy talking to my friends through that. Um, I mean, in my friendship group now, both of my two closest friends, neither of them have any form of social media. And I'm not huge on texting either, so we just kind of see each other at school and get on with it. So I'm just, I think, how my personality is, I don't really get hugely involved on social media. So, and for my friends, they, they know that about me. So it's more of, I'm more of a like face-to-face -face person. And so that's been a lot easier. I haven't had to, I haven't had to go onto 
social media to stay in contact people because people know my personality and that that's not really me. But um, I think I just, I like family values. We've not given in to pressure of people telling you to get certain social media or not given in to if people feel like attacked that I'm not texting them. You know, I just am honest with people that I don't use that kind of stuff. And it's kind of, it's worked for me so far, so yeah. Good answer. Okay, excellent. well done. <laughs> Next question. Sorry, let's put your hand. Slightly different. Um, smartphone orphans. We all see them. I'm linked with various different schools in where I live in my hometown. And you see mum pushing the buggy and on the smartphone. Okay, this is a culture we're growing up in. Um, Care for the Family wrote an article, the director in Daily Mail a few months ago. What do we do with our non-Christian friends that are bringing up smartphone orphans? How do we talk to those mums? How do we try and... Good question. How? Are you directing the question at anyone in particular? Yes, no. No, okay. just go for it. I, 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 I would like to know how we, how we all talk to those lovely mums mm -hmm. where the children have almost zero social skills when they go to year R. Uh -huh. It looks like Dave's got an answer. I think I've got something I'd add. Well, they're on their phone already, aren't they? Taylor so I'll text them. <laughs> they'll look at that, won't they? No, serious. If that's the world they're operating in, you've got to operate in that world, haven't you? It's incarnational, it's mission. Uh, you've got to get in there and, and be in part of that if that's how they're going to communicate <coughs> with you. The other side of it, though, is this is a conversation with someone else about their parenting, and that's always hard. So you've got to have money in the bank there, haven't you, uh, relationally. Um, and that means hospitality, I think. I think it means having them in your house. I think it means time, investing time outside of the school gate, just being in each other's lives. And then you do have moments where you feel like you can say, have you thought about doing this? How do you do this? And you learn from each other as parents then, don't you, when you trust each other that much. Yeah. I think Taylor's got something to add, have you? Chrissy's got something to add? I was just going to say, kind of very similar to Dave, I've had the same kind of conversations. People, people notice when you parent differently um, and inviting families into our house, they see that our phones are not out. Um, unless we're taking a photo, we take lots of photos of our children playing together and they love that. Um, our girls this summer are making a diary and so we've had our phones out probably more this summer than any other time because they just want photos because they're making their photo albums. Um, but we model the behaviour that we think is, is, is good for our children to be seeing. Um, so we have our phones away, we're playing with them, we're trying to spend time with them and we're showing them um, exactly how we think they could be doing it. Um, the only thing I would add to that as well, I don't know, I, I did a seminar yesterday and um, I would always come before God and say, God, who do you see and what do you see? Because I think it's really easy for us to see what's not right in, or what we feel troubled by. And, and often that's because there's real value in that. And actually God, God's given us a heart that we want to see people free and we want to see people having good family life. But I think I would... I, I agree with um, Dave in that it has to be relational. So I would say, God, what do you see? And help me to encourage the best out of that person rather than just point out the worst and let, rather than criticise. And I think when you get in a position where you, you actually have relationship, then sometimes there's safety for some challenge. But I think it's very easy for us as Christians to come in and say something and then it becomes a little bit superior as if we know what's right. So I think if you see it, intercede and pray for that family and pray for opportunities and love the best out of them and encourage them and then if God gives you an opportunity take it but let's not that be our starting point that was what I would say one last okay, question sorry. I'll, just, I'll just add as well that actually the reverse has happened too that um, parents have then approached me and asked me how like the other day one of the mums came up to me and said um, we're taking our children to their grandma's cre cremation um, how do I explain that <laughs> and you get that. So yeah. it works both ways. They see you as that kind of parent, and then they start asking you, how can I parent? Fantastic. And now, final question? Uh, yeah, just a practical one, really. Um, not there yet, but preempting for the future. If your child really wants to download an app, or they really want um, 
Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook and you just don't think it's a good idea, you don't think they're quite old enough. How, do you, how did you communicate that with your children? How did you talk to them? What did you say to them when they said, well, I really want it, my friends have got it. What did you say? <laughs> I just, just want to get some tips on how you communicated um, the ground rules with them. I think... Um, for us, it's about the, it is about the culture you establish in your family. And um, so we, we've always established a culture where actually you can talk about anything and we won't react. So you can challenge our views, you can challenge our beliefs, and um, we will navigate our way through just through that common respect of actually talking. And, but the main thing for me, it's about how we raise our children to have an identity and who they are as children of God. Because uh, when they get that, all of this other stuff just falls into place. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come with its challenges or its difficulties or its pain, but if they truly know who they are as children of God, then they're able to be different and they're able to stand in that. And I think we've always tried to navigate them through that and be very, very open and honest about our own failings and our own mistakes and the times we trip up so that they can see that modelled and that they can know that whatever is going on and whatever they feel they're missing out on or whatever is happening or whatever is being said about them, actually, this is what God says about them. And then they own that and they stand in that identity. And I tell you, the rest actually just starts to fall away. And that's a principle that works for all things, right up to when you start thinking about you know, their, their ideas about sexuality and sex and um, when they're thinking about... Um, you know, what jobs they want to do, whether, where they want to go, who their friendships are, what other people are watching, all those things. That principle of getting that, that sense of identity in Jesus Christ into them is the best thing you can do. Has anyone got anything to add? Martin? Yeah, uh, I've, you mentioned earlier, Karen, actually, where you talked about in your family you had 100% visibility, that, that you said, you know, there are no secrets and whatever your kids have, you, you're able to see their phones, et cetera, et cetera. I really encourage that, and I encourage that because I think that's a principle that, that protects against all the technology. It, it, don't be frightened of the technology. If you're frightened of the technology, it will win, okay? Don't, don't be under any doubt about that. What you need to do is the principles that sit underneath it and the principles of your family and your family life are what will support you. And just to say, the app you need to be most frightened of hasn't been written yet, okay? Just, just have that as a view in your minds that every day there are ways that apps are being written. Um, there, there are even game apps that are now being used as social media underneath the game. And so just be aware of it. And that, that visibility is a principle that I think will help you and your families if you make that a principle in it about all things. Don't be frightened of the technology. That's the wrong perspective uh, it's about the principles that you you live by yeah i, I was going to say very quickly and, and the principle actually is broader than just social media it's yeah. is how do you have those conversations yeah. with your kids about anything that they really want to do and you feel is not a good idea and yeah. th th for us the first really important thing is we won't make a decision out of fear so it won't be that doesn't sound good i'm, f I'm afraid of it you're not having it it's let, let, let's spend some time to understand okay what 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 is it um, what, uh, understand your child as well and because an element of trust in that we've had some wonderful conversations with our eldest around her wanting things and us having a I think to echo what Karen said having a very honest discussion about it and the pitfalls and, and actually there have been times where the conclusion has been my daughter said actually I don't want it and, and, and that, that's wow you, you, it's, it's, that's the, those are the amazing moments when you connect with your child or when you say okay I'm trusting you in this and with this, and you've understood the, the pitfalls and the pros and cons, uh, and then they're able to make this. Because the danger is that we can frustrate our kids sometimes. We just know is no, and we can frustrate our kids, and our kids are going to grow up to an age where we don't get to say no anymore, and, and the, you know, they, they get older, and, and they're going to have... So, so instilling those principles, having the conversation, keeping the door open for dialogue, yeah. because you want your kids... There's something that your heart leaps when your child comes to you with something. Yeah. I want to talk to you about this. And you're like, wow. And it's yeah. them that's, that's, you know, that's orchestrated that. So I, I just think that open dialogue is really, really important. Yeah, so like two quick things. Um, that is brilliant. My mum, she's not even a Christian, but I can talk to her about anything. Um, she's always kind of set her boundaries, but she's always been open to have the discussion. That's really key. Um, in fact, one thing she used to say to me that's stuck, and it's, kind of, it's brilliant, it's like reverse psychology. I don't know what she did, but she used to say, again, with the decision-making and the principles, she actually used to say, if I was going to out to like a friend's birthday or something on social media, she'll say, you're going to make your own decisions when you're out there, 
but I didn't raise an idiot. <laughs> That's what she used to say. Amen. Blows your mind because you're out there and you're like, okay, if I do that, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and, if I, but, and if I don't, my mum didn't raise an idiot and I can make my own decision. It worked a treat. Yeah. You know, I made mistakes, of course, but it's that kind of, I know who you are. Yeah. So Brilliant. when you go out there, you might make decisions that aren't who you are, but I know who you are. Yeah. And you, as a child, I started to think, who am I? And what does the decision look like for who I know I am? And my mum knows I am. And I can't go back and tell her that I'm not. <laughs> that sort of thing. And secondly, like, I think, again, the fear thing. Like, fear is just a lie. And um, we just see it all through the Bible, like what the enemy means for evil, God can work for good. Mm. And I just find one frustration I have is like, I do love social media. Again, it's seeing not fear, but opportunity. Yeah. And... Um, I think with everything, where we, where we choose, especially as commission, to church plant, or where we choose to reach homelessness, financial problems, family issues, we're like, how can we send the church? And for me, especially having that magazine out there and in there, I kind of feel like, where, well, how can we send the church? If it's dark, I want to go. Um, and we can back away, and the problem remains and grows, or we can go in, and the problem's transformed by God. Um, and one thing, like, I always think about social media, it kind of looks like the Feed the 5,000 thing, where we're like, oh, look at all the masses, what can I add? But as a family, like the disciples did, it was you guys feed them. As we decide together to break the bread, or the life, or the word of encouragement, or the love, or the, oh, I'm here for you if you want to chat, all that stuff, and we do it together, the masses are fed, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are, they're fed, and then they come to your house for dinner, and then they're, they're transforming the schools, and then a governor, so just, it's just bonkers. God goes above and beyond our little breaking of the bread, I'll feed that person, that person, that person. In social media, it's such an opportunity for me, like that's, you know, how, the outlook that I'd have. Excellent. What an amazing place to finish. Now, these guys are um, around, so we're finishing now, but if you want to speak to any of them, um, feel free just to come up and chat to them. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy your days. Thank you. Thank you.